0: Hey there and welcome to Soul Church.
1: Our prayer is that this message encourages you wherever you may be in life.
0: You know, we've been hearing so many stories about what God is doing in people's lives and we'd love to hear yours, so take a second and send your story to stories at soulchurch.com.
1: Thanks again for joining us today and we hope that you enjoy the message. God bless. Thank you so much. You can take your seats. Thank you everyone watching online. So good to be with you. Pastor John sends his love. He's with our dear friends, Dave and Abs Niblock, who are launching their church, Church of the North. And Pastor John is gonna be there speaking at their first service, which I think is a huge honor. What an incredible message he preached last week, didn't he? The miracles in the mundane. If you've missed any of these series, I suggest you get a copy, all right? And I also suggest you say happy birthday to Jillian us uh, John's mom over there. We love you, Jillian. You're a woman of faith, life-giving, encourager, faithful to this church for so many years. You ready for the word? Why don't we stand and honor the word? We're going to read our series verse. I know you're like, I've only sat down and I'm back up. It's all going to be good. It's like an aerobics class, isn't it? All right, Ephesians 3.20. God can do anything. Do you know that? God can do anything. Do you know it online? God can do anything you know far more than you could ever imagine or request in your wildest dreams. He can. God can. So let's pray, Jesus. We've honored you through our worship. Now we listen to your word. This is your church and they're your people. And we ask that in these next few moments, they would connect with your voice. And so speak to us and do what only you can do in our lives and in our families. In this moment, we ask, in Jesus' name. And everyone with a bit of faith, give me a big smile and took their seats, amen. 1972, my dad is coming to the end of a long spiritual search. He's looking for answers and he's looking for God. He attends all different types of religious services. He joins a spiritualist church for a while. He joins the Self-Realization Fellowship and does all kind of weird meditations, but he didn't find any answers. He walked into a small Pentecostal church in newton Aycliffe, and he sat at the back and he saw people that were very passionate. They'd lift their hands in worship, they'd dance, and my dad was a bit of a skeptic and he thought they were crazy, so him and his mates sat at the back and they mocked the people worshiping Jesus. And in the middle of a service, a lady called Celia, with a withered hand, gave, what we call in church a prophecy it's a word from God to an individual now Celia had never met my dad but she gave a word and essentially she outlined the history of his life in great detail in a way that only God could have said it and that got my dad's attention about four weeks later my dad is lying in bed with my mom and my four-year-old brother at the time is ill in hospital, and the phone rang. I mean, I'm not talking about one of those mobile phones. I'm talking about a proper phone. Anyone remember having a proper phone by your bed? And it rang, and it was the hospital, and they said some of the tests have come back, and it's your son David, and it's, it's viral meningitis, and we think he's probably got 24 hours to live, so you better come in and say your goodbyes. Any of you parents will know how tragic a phone call like that can be. My mom, who was a nurse at the time, not a believer, went into the bathroom, starts collecting her stuff, and she just breaks down in tears. My dad is in shock. He's still sat in his bed, and he remembers Celia's prophecy, and he said, Okay, God, if you're real, would you heal my son? He then describes, because it changed his life, literally changed his life. He describes how in that moment, at the end of his bed, the Lord Jesus himself literally appeared, literally. I've never seen this, but my dad did. And he said to my dad, he said, "I'm going to heal your son." Now, I've got a picture of our farmhouse on the screen. And in the farmhouse, this is the room in which that happened, the end of his bed. They went into the hospital. After 24 hours, my brother was still alive. They took him to one, my mom and dad to one side. They said, look, he's still seriously ill. He's going to grow up deaf, dumb, or blind. He's had a serious brain injury. And now, 45 years later, he's 49 years of age. He's six foot four, he runs an IT company, runs a farm, and uh, he he beats me at golf, which is annoying. So, God healed him. God can do miracles, you know. Far more than you can ask or imagine. And in our miracles in May series, we've had some cracking miracles. You're going to hear one in just a moment from Mark Taylor who works as a chaplain in the hospital. He's one of my heroes. He is there at the darkest moments, and in a moment I'm going to invite Mark up to tell you the miracle he experienced was a part of this week. But another one was a lady called Bev Stainsby. I think we might have a picture. She couldn't be here. She had an appointment. She, She was elsewhere, but she was at chapel on Tuesday, and Bev came bounding up to me just full of life on Tuesday she said have I've had my miracle in May. Bev has had back surgery twice in the last year surgery on her foot the year before and she struggles daily with pain especially in the morning she does Pilates to try and get her back well. During COVID Bev in her email she said she felt spiritually distant from God for a very long time But I'd never seen such a change in her as I I saw this Tuesday. She said, Steve, I've had my miracle in Maine. She describes how on Sunday night she was here and Joseph preached. And he preached a great message, didn't he? And it really helped her and lifted her. And she drove out from church. Her and her husband Neil were on their bikes. They were going home, going down a hill, 20 miles an hour. From Norway, another guy came out from behind a car, and she literally smashed into him and went up in the air. And she landed on her back, and then her head went smashing into the ground. And if you look at this picture, this is a picture of a cycling helmet. That's what it did to a helmet. Now, you imagine that, to do that. This is a lady with a pre existing back condition. She said, in that moment, Steve, I thought I was gonna get up. I didn't know whether I would be able to get up. I didn't know whether I'd have concussion. She said, I just didn't know. And she came in here on chapel, said, Steve, there wasn't a scratch on me, wasn't a mark on me, wasn't a, a bruise on me, I feel totally fine. Come on, let's thank God that he can protect us. She said, it's my miracle in May. So Mark, if you want to come across me, I, I love this guy, he's got the biggest heart, in fact he's got pretty big body as well, as well as a big heart, look at the size of that, what a good man he is. But, uh,
0: it takes some maintaining, so if you ever invite me for lunch, I'll have a big, big portion. <laughs> yeah, just, just to cause... keep it up, but
1: uh, <laughs> as I said, Mark is there in the, in the darkest moments for people and... Uh, You got a call this week. Do you want to tell us about
0: what that was? Yeah, so I'm chaplain at Norfolk and Norwich Hospital. Have have I visited any of you in hospital? Yeah, some of you. Look, gosh, you poor guys. (laughs) If you end up in Norfolk and Norwich Hospital, ask for the chaplains. I want to pray for you when you're in there, Okay? So there's a challenge. So this week um, I was called to the Neonatal Intensive Care Unit. And if you don't know what that is, it's where the very young babies are. Um... They're in their incubators and all that kind of stuff. And there was a baby there that, for all intents and purposes, was just being kept alive. Uh, The following day, um, the organ harvest team were due to come in. Now, if you're an organ donor, when you die, the organ harvest team will come in and they'll take out the organs that they can give to other people. So this little baby was being kept alive for the harvesting of its organs the family said, will you send a chaplain to bless the baby before the harvesting takes place? And I went on to NICU and you know, I wouldn't do this in community. I'm a pastor, but I wouldn't baptise your children. we would dedicate your children. But something inside me said, baptise this baby. So I asked for water and I was given a little vial of sterile water. And baptised this little baby before its organs were harvested to bless other children and people that needed those organs. Well, I mean, can you imagine it's difficult. that? Difficult, yeah. And, and how was the family at that time? Uh, distraught. Yeah. Yeah. So what happened next? It's a dark, Mark? dark moment. Um, and that was it. I left left the ward. The next morning, um, NICU rang and said. Um, what did you do to the baby? I said, I baptised it with water and in the name of Jesus. You see, because that baby's now ready to go home. There's nothing wrong with that baby. <laughs> the name of Jesus. A mustard seed of faith—that's all he asked for—and he can move mountains. And that baby, so,
1: that baby went home on his. Baby's,
0: baby's ready to
1: get home, yeah. yeah. Come on, who thinks we ought to give the Lord Jesus? Come on, why thank don't we you. thank him and honour him? He's the one that does the miracles, not us. He's the one. God can do anything, you know—far more than you can ask or imagine. Isn't that amazing? You can take your seats. It's encouraging to hear stories like that, miracles in May. Maybe some of you are here and you are praying for your miracle. And yet you haven't received it. You're praying and believing, but sometimes there's a part of us that says, Well, God, how come everyone else gets their miracle? But what about me? What about my family? God, why don't you do it for me? There's people in this room that have lost a baby. People in this room have been through miscarriage after miscarriage. Some of you in the last month, you've received a cancer diagnosis, a terminal illness diagnosis. Many of you need miracles in your families and in your finances. And as much as you rejoice when you hear the miraculous, Sometimes there's an element of the mysterious. You say, God, why don't you do it for me? Most of us have been there, haven't we? I remember my mom. I remember her falling down the stairs, critically injuring herself, four major back operations. A doctor says you've severed your spinal cord, you'll never walk again. As a young Christian, I would walk from my bedroom on the right side of that farmhouse to go to the toilet which is next to mom's bedroom. And I'd hear her in such agony from the pain of a single sheet on her back and she'd be crying in agony throughout the night. And I'd say, God, if you can do it for my brother in that same bedroom at the end of that bed, I know you can do it, God, why don't you do it for my mom? Because I loved her. So I want to talk to you about two words. Are you ready? The miraculous and the mysterious. The miraculous and the mysterious. You say, Steve, how do you navigate both of these seasons? Because there are seasons in our lives for you guys online when we have the miraculous and we're cheering and we're praising God. But there's also seasons of our lives that are mysterious that we don't understand. Say, how do you navigate both the miraculous and the mysterious? Write this down if you're taking notes. We praise him in the miraculous and we trust him in the mysterious. We praise him in the miraculous and we trust him in the mysterious. When you don't know why, when God seems far away, when you're going through a crisis and you really need him to show up. And so let's look and turn to the scripture because I don't want it just to be my words. I've got to admit I heard a podcast because I just want to be real with you by, by Bishop T.D. Jakes and it's called Faith in a Crisis. And when I heard it, it really helped me. And so a couple of these thoughts are from him, all right? but it really focused me in on this scripture in John chapter 20. Let me give you the backstory, story, especially if you're new to church. Jesus' 12 disciples have been following him for three years. And in those three years, they see Jesus do the miraculous, time after time. They see with their own eyes Jesus doing miracles. So they walk off their jobs, they walk away from their families because they believe in Him. They see miracles break out everywhere, blind eyes open, sick, sick people made whole. And they think, this is it. The kingdom of God is breaking in and we're going to push out the Roman Empire and they think we're going, to, we're going to have a parliament and positions of power and we're going to rule over people. And then halfway through this process, Jesus starts to talk about a grain of wheat that falls to the ground and must die to bear fruit. He starts to talk about suffering and a cross. And they wonder what he's talking about. And as the pressure and the politics and the persecution arise and the Pharisees turn against Jesus, they aren't afraid because they've seen his power. They've seen him operate in the miraculous. They expect the miraculous, but what they experience is the mysterious. They know he has the power, but when they arrest him, He opens not his mouth. He lets them take him, shame him, scourge him, and ultimately slay him. A soldier pins him to a cross and lifts high a hammer and slams it down, sending a nail into his wrist. And his blood spurts everywhere. And they do it again and again. And then they lift him high and they watch him die. Ten of those disciples run to a room and they hide because they think if they can do that to our leader, they may just come and do it to us. And they lock themselves up in the upper room. They don't know what to think, what to do, what to believe, or where to go. Why did this happen? Why did he allow this to happen to himself? And they go from the miraculous to the mysterious. But thank God the story doesn't end there. Because on the third day, Jesus rises from the dead. I said, Jesus rises from the dead. You ought to be a little bit happy about that. And he invades that upper room. And the miraculous invades the mysterious. But the problem is that Jesus does that when Thomas has gone AWOL. He's not in the room when Jesus first shows up. There's only 10. He's out someplace trying to figure out whether he should keep believing or not. Maybe I shouldn't go back to the church. Maybe I don't fit in. Doesn't seem to be working for me. Maybe I'm the problem. I don't know where I fit in. Can't go back to Galilee, I've left there and I can't go back into Jerusalem. Maybe you're watching online and you're thinking, I don't fit in. You're too much of the world to fit into the church or maybe you're too much of the church to fit into the world. You fit, church. Did I get that confused? I don't know, but you're all listening really well, so I'll just (laughs) keep going. So here's where we pick up the story. John 20, verse 24, it says, Now Thomas, called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. He wasn't in the room. Everyone else has experienced their miracle and made the miraculous. But Thomas is still in the mysterious. How come I missed out? How come everyone else gets their miracle? Have you ever felt like that in church? Verse 25, it says, The other disciples said to him, We've seen the Lord. And so he's, this is Thomas speaking, says, unless I see in his hands the prints of his nails and I put my finger into the prints of his nails and put my hands in his side, I will not believe. There's a skeptic right now. Thomas is like, I'm so pleased for you all. I'm glad you've had your miraculous. But I need to experience it For myself and some of you in this room, you're like that. You're not easily talked into anything. Some of you watching online. And then it says, verse 26. And after eight days, his disciples were again inside. So eight days after that initial meeting with Jesus. And Thomas is still in the mysterious. It says, after eight days, his disciples were again inside. And Thomas... Was with them. Thomas missed the initial, the inaugural moment that Christ reappears to his disciple, but this time it's different. Why? Because Thomas is in the room. I said, Thomas is in the room. How many know there is something about being in the room? Church, let's not miss the miraculous. Let's make sure we're in the room and prioritize his presence. Prioritize the meeting together. I know not everyone can. For some of you, there's real good reasons. But I'm also so grateful when people come back into the room. You know, there's a power to being in the room. Almost every person you talk to that has been back in the room says, I'm so glad I was there. Verse 26, after eight days, his disciples were again inside and Thomas was with them. Listen to this, and Jesus came. Listen to this, the doors being shut, he stood in the midst. The doors were shut. Maybe in the last month, you've had doors shut on you. Maybe opportunities Maybe promotions, maybe blessing, maybe relationships and those doors have been shut on you and you're so discouraged or you're watching online. But I've got good news. They can shut the doors on you, but they cannot shut the doors on Jesus because he came right through those rooms. He came right through those walls and he met with them. Some of you are in the room today and your walls are up. But already in this service, Jesus' presence has filled this place and you're thinking, what is that? It says that Jesus stood in their midst. He's here. Maybe you're here and it seems like the doors have been shut, but Jesus is here. He stood in the midst, why? Because he said, where two or three are gathered, there am I in the midst. That's awesome. The more I think about this text, the more amazed I get. Because here's what I realize. Jesus didn't come back for the 10 that had already experienced the miraculous. Jesus came back For the one, the one that was doubting, the one that was disbelieving, the one that was disillusioned and disappointed. And Jesus said, hey, you don't have to be perfect. You don't have to have it all together. I see where you're at. I see you in your home. I see you when you're listening to your car. I see whatever you're going through. He sees the one the one who doesn't believe in him, the one who doubts him. Maybe you've been that one. Maybe right now watching online, you're that one. When everyone else seems to be throwing up their hands in worship, they all look so happy, clappy with their perfect outfit and perfect families. But God wants to say to you, you might feel like you're not worth it, you might feel like you're a failure, but in this moment, he came just for you. It's not about how good you are and how much you've got it together, it's about how good he is and he's going to help you hold it all together. It's about him, he came for the one. Verse 27, he said to Thomas, this is that moment. Jesus is one-on-one with Thomas. He says something that could seem a little bit strange. Reach your finger here and held out his hands and reach your hand here and put it into my side. Thomas thinks Jesus is dead. He saw him die. They took him down. His rigor mortis ridden body. He was cold. He was dead. He was lifeless. And they put him in a tomb, wrapped him in linen. Now, the risen Jesus, same one, walks with Thomas and gives him an opportunity that few leaders. Have the grace to be able to give. Most leaders will show you their success, their degrees, their qualifications, or even their crowns. But there are few that will show you their wounds. Jesus says, Thomas, come up close and see. See where they stripped me, see where they scourged me. See where they drove nails into me and see where that spear went in that caused my heart to explode in blood and water float out. See me as I am. See me in my brokenness. See me when I'm bruised, not when I'm perfect and flawless. See me as I am, the real me, the authentic me. And some of us need to stop looking at the Jesus that the media portrays or the Jesus that your religious upbringing portrayed. And you need to come close to Jesus and see him as he is and see how much he loves you and see all that he did for your finger in his sight. It had been opened up to his heart, I think, if only we would reach and feel Jesus' heart for us, we'd never doubt him. We'd never disbelieve him. We'd never say or think some of the things that we say and think about him, because you would realize that his heart beats for you, for you online. What a story. What a story, and then he says to Thomas. And I love the fact that when Jesus says to Thomas, come up close and see me, see my brokenness, see see my bruises, I think another thing that Jesus is saying to Thomas is, Thomas, when I am in your life, when I come on the inside of you it's gonna give you the faith to know and understand that no matter what they throw at you no matter how much they knock you down the good news is when he is inside of you you can get back up again why because Jesus is the resurrection and the life and if he can come back from the dead and he lives in you he's gonna help you get back up again I love that get really excited if you're on the front row, I'll start spitting. It's a mess down here. So I can understand why some people sit at the back. It all makes sense. And he said to Thomas, do not be unbelieving, but believing. Yeah. See, you've got to praise him for the miraculous, but you've got to believe in him and trust him and have faith in him when you're in the mysterious. Yeah. Keep believing. Keep believing. You guys online keep having faith because faith is the currency of heaven let me give you a couple of scriptures Hebrews 11.1, 11.6 without faith it is impossible to please God for whoever comes to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him, he wants the best for you, he is a rewarder Hebrews 11.1, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen, don't Focus on what you're seeing, focus on what he has for you. 2 Corinthians 5:7. We walk by faith, not by sight. Last one, Galatians 2:20. I've been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Keep believing, keep trusting him. Like my Uncle Alan did for how many years was it Alan? Fourteen and a half years, he kept believing. Katie Cooper, when they said you'd end up in a wheelchair, how many years did you keep believing for? 19 years. Sometimes whether it's 14 years, whether it's 19 years, you might feel like you've been stuck in the mysterious, you're locked in, there's no way out, but one day the miraculous can break into whatever you're going through. Keep trusting him. Keep believing. How does Thomas respond to Jesus' revelation of himself? and Jesus' challenge to keep believing. Verse 28. Thomas answered and said to him, my Lord and my God. You know, it's one thing to praise a person for what they do for you. That's great. Some of you parents know what that's like, you go on holiday, and what do you do? You bring your kids a little gift, don't you? And they're really pumped, aren't they? Little tinkers. They love it. But remember that time you came back, and you didn't have a gift? They weren't so pumped to see you then, were they? It's one thing. to Praise someone for what they do. But there comes a moment when you love them for who they really are, they really are. When Thomas says, my Lord and my God, it's not just about what Jesus has done. He recognizes him for who he is, my Lord and my God. Now, I've been married for 29 years, very happily married. I love my wife more today than ever. And I've only realized something in about the last year, 29th year of marriage, that I'm a, I'm a big softy. My kids call me a big softy. I'm big softy about my mom, and I think I'm realizing I'm a bit soft with the missus as well. <laughs> and here's how I realize it I realize that when I get stressed, when I feel overwhelmed, because come on, we all do at times, don't we? I've realized I do this I get my wife, and I bring her as close to me as I can. Sometimes I just hold her. And I've realized that I do that. And in those moments I'm not expecting her to fix it. I'm not looking to her for her power. I realize in that moment I just need someone to be with me. It's not about her power, it's about her person, her presence. And Sometimes when you're in the mysterious, yes, thank God, sometimes His power is there, but sometimes. When it isn't, it's actually his person. It's the fact that he draws close to you. And it's in some of those moments in your life when you say, my Lord. You're not just the God up there, you're mine. doesn't matter what the circumstances are. I'm just glad that you're with me, that you're for me, and I need you. My Lord and my God. I want to encourage you, church, if you're in the mysterious, this is the time to draw close to him. The Bible says, draw nigh unto God, and he will draw nigh unto you. Jesus said to him, verse 29, Thomas, this blows me away. You still with me online? I can tell God's in this room speaking to you. Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you have seen me, You've believed. it's awesome. It's awesome when you get the miracles. But then Jesus says this But more blessed are those who haven't seen, and yet you kept believing. As Alan kept believing, as Katie kept believing. There's heroes like John, Lynn, they still believing, and Sarah, still believing, still in the house of God. Thomas, who's been filled with doubt and disbelief. So friend, whether you're doubting or troubled or questioning, Realize that he understands. He still loves you in your pain. You're blessed when you see the miracle, but you are even more blessed when you haven't yet seen, but you keep trusting him. Verse 30, and truly Jesus did many other signs, the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. As the team come, John reaches a conclusion for the whole of his gospel. It says, Jesus did many of the signs. Whenever you see the word signs in John's gospel, it means miracles. Question, what does a sign do? What's it there for? Why do we have signs? A sign points you to somewhere or someone. Signs are not the end goal or the end game. They point to something else the final outcome, the end game, the end goal of our Christian faith is not the miraculous. It's Jesus. Yes, we love, we believe, and we celebrate the miraculous, but we don't only worship Jesus in the miraculous, we worship Jesus in the mysterious, in the middle of the storm. We keep trusting him, we keep believing him. Verse 31 These things are written that you may what? These things are written. John says, I wrote all of these things down for you. Why? Why did God give us this book? Why did he write these things in the Bible? These things are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, by keep on believing, that's when you step into the life in his name. It's by continuing to believe. You know it's not an either or. Too often in life we separate things into an either or. It's either the miraculous or it's the mysterious. No, it's not. It's both. We praise God. We honor Him in the miraculous. But let me encourage you. Keep praising God, worshiping Him in the mysterious. Because here's what I find in life. You go through cycles in your Christian life. You may be in the miraculous one moment. You may slip into the mysterious. But thank God, He will break into your mysterious. And He'll pour out your miraculous. And you'll keep going between the two. The key is to keep believing. Keep trusting. Don't look at your external circumstances. You keep looking unto Jesus. So let me just summarize. What were those points I just gave you? If you want to go, stay strong in the mysterious. I give you five things. Number one, be in the room. As Thomas was. Be in the room. Stay in the room. It's not a time to run from church. It's not a time to run from God. Be in the room. Number two, see his wounds. See how much he went through for you. See that he understands what it is. Number three, those of you watching online, those of you that have had a bad report, keep believing. Keep trusting him. Number four, love him for who he is, not just for what he's done. And then number five, keep reading the word. Keep believing those things that he's promised you. Keep trusting his word. And as you do that, as you do all of these things, is you make Christ alone your cornerstone. What does a cornerstone do? It holds the whole building together. If you've been shaken, if you've been rattled, I want to thank God that Christ alone is the only one that's going to hold your life, hold your family together. I'd like us all to stand. Unless you're driving, listening to this online, you keep driving. The rest of you. We're going to sing this song, and I'm going to encourage you to draw nigh to God for those of you in the room we're going to sing this song Christ alone if you've been in the mysterious if you've had a report if you just know that you feel weak and you need God to come through in the miraculous for you I'm going to invite you to come and stand and we're going to fill this altar and we're going to make a declaration we're going to do it as an act of worship we're going to sing this beautiful song I love this first line, it says this, my faith is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood. That's the one we're gonna look to. So come on, as melody starts to lead us in this song, if you're in the mysterious, if you need God to come through for you, then you slip out of the aisle. Come on, you come to the front as we sing. This is your moment to draw nigh to God and He will draw nigh to you. Come on, as we sing this together.
0: We sing, "My my hope is built on nothing less
1: come on church why don't we all stretch out our hands to these people these are real needs this is a moment when we can be family and let's really pray over every one of these beautiful people you online as well we're praying for you in this moment Jesus we take a moment to acknowledge you as lord lord whatever these situations are whatever mysteries are going on that we don't understand we ask you right now to walk into these rooms into these hearts as we extend our hands lord by faith would you do what only you can do from the youngest to the oldest we declare the name of jesus let's exalt him guys at the front just stay where you are and keep praying if you need to that's fine he is Lord and when Jesus comes into your life he does the things that you can't do on your own none of us were designed to live life on our own our lives are all filled with challenges and we need him maybe you're in this room or maybe you're listening online if you've never invited Christ into the center of your life to be your cornerstone We would love nothing more than to give you an opportunity to get to know him, to get to know his love and his grace. He sees you, friend. Maybe you're listening to me and you're a bit like Thomas. You once walked with him. But if you're honest, you've drifted away and you're doubting and you know that this is the day when you need to come back to him. The good news is he still loves you, my friend. He's for you, not against you. So we're gonna pray a prayer all across this room. And For those of you listening online, for those who say, yes, Steve, I wanna get right with God, here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna count to three in just a moment. If you do wanna get right with God, I want you simply to raise your hands or pop something in the chat if you're watching online. But in the room, let's make it a moment of privacy. Just bow your heads and close your eyes. If you know, whether you're at the front or at the back, if you know you need God at the center, you wanna pray that prayer. When I count to three, you raise your hand. Are you ready? All across this room and online. Are you ready? One, two, three. That's it. Just lift it up. Thank you. 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 Beautiful. Thank you over there. Thank you over there. Thank you over there. It's powerful. People getting right with God. So we're all going to repeat this prayer. It's going to be on the screen behind me. Let's all repeat this after me. Say, Dear Lord Jesus thank you for dying for me to forgive all my sin and failures please come into my life and help me by the power of the Holy Spirit to trust and live for you Amen Amen. Father right now for every person listening to me online or in this room every hand that was raised every heart that's been touched Right now, I thank you that you are coming in. And I pray these people will make you the center, the cornerstone of their lives from this moment on. Lord, we ask this in Jesus' name. And everyone who is excited for these people, come on, why don't we put our hands together? Clap our hands. What a great decision. You guys online as well, what a great decision. So in a moment, we're gonna dismiss you guys, back to your seats, but just wait for one second. What we'd love you to do, those of you in the room that raise your hand, as you leave, one of our team may have seen you, or out in the Connect Lounge, people are waving these Bibles, get one. Even if you've got one, so this is gonna help you. Another thing we love to do is we have our Jill wall where we take a light bulb and we put it in. It's a public say, way of saying, hey, this is the day the lights came on for me. We'd love you to do that and if you can give us the details, we just want to help and encourage you. So as these people go back to their seats and those that made the decision, come on, let's put our hands together and congratulate them.